Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, that's Musical Theater College Auditions, and today we've got a Dan Tan Pittsburgh Yenzer of a show lined up for you. Ziva Barzell of Point Park University joins us to chat about their program. And if you guys couldn't tell, that was me trying to do a Pittsburgh accent. Ziva herself does not have a Pittsburgh accent in any way, shape, or form, but I do, and I'd love to do it. So anytime I have an opportunity, I'm whip it up. Um, today, we got into the supportive ambition of Point Park students. Um, we talked about their approach to training as a triple threat model and that they have a great dance program, but they're not just about dance. Um, we talked about the vertical campus of a city school and some of the environment that the wonderful Pittsburgh Dantan provides. Uh, Ziva gives some audition advice. She certainly says no monologues from monologue books, if you can avoid it, and really gets into the specifics of how important singing skill is for musical theater majors, especially, she mentioned, sort of pitchiness on a pre-screen is a big no-no if possible. Um, we talk a little bit about Point Park's conservatory style, um, how they don't have quite the same high GPA requirement as some other schools, but that they do have an honors program and academic scholarships for the more academically gifted students. We also talk a little bit about the post-pandemic life and how students are a bit quieter in the room after two whole years of virtual training. But before we get into the interview with Ziva, Megan, how are you doing? Chicago is sunny today, and I'm excited mm. for the upcoming tours to come in for like Broadway in Chicago. A few of my friends are going to come into town, so that's the exciting part of living here. Friends are forced to come to see me. But we're also doing um, some big stuff with the upcoming junior weekends, doing some prep for that. So mm. lots of things going on. In-person events for our juniors. Yes. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like the theme right now is like, Work is coming back. The industry is coming back. I mean, for some people, it's come back. But really, I can say for our family, it's really exciting that um, Elizabeth has a couple gigs uh, in the offing, which has been both very exciting for us, but also terrifying with babysitting and trying to do two full-time jobs while parenting a six-month-old has been an exciting journey. Um, mm -hmm. But if anyone's in New York City, uh, Elizabeth will be performing at Carnegie Hall. Uh, this is in Ooh. early March, on March 10th, with Anyone Can Whistle. Uh, she's doing a concert version of it um, with Santino Fontana and Vanessa Williams. Um, and she's also doing a couple episode arc of Gossip Girl. So we're like in like double filming and rehearsal mode and trying to do everything at once at our home. It's just a little crazy. It's fun. We're exhausted. Yeah. When can we see her in uh, these upcoming Gossip Girl episodes? Ooh, when are they dropping? Great question. I should be a better press person for her. He has no idea. But no idea. I, the second season <laughs> of Gossip Girl is whenever so that So just keep on refreshing your page, your TV. Yeah. On your devices, Hulu, 
Roku, Prime Video, wherever such things happen. HBO Max, I actually think is the right answer there, but you know, you'll figure it out. It'll show up. When, when you see, see someone who looks like Elizabeth, you're like, oh my God, that's her. That's Elizabeth. Uh, yes, In one of the many jobs that Charlie does, press for Elizabeth? Mm. Not his best. Not his best. Not his best. It's true. But speaking of things that you are good at, should we get into this episode? Yes, Megan. But speaking of press for this podcast, <laughs> let's get into this episode with Ziva Barzell from Point Park University. Well, we are honored to be joined by Ziva Barzell here um, from Point Park University. Uh, Ziva has a BFA in acting and directing from Ithaca College and an MFA in acting from the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. She was also trained and mentored by Tony Award winner Daniel Sullivan, one of my favorite directors I've ever worked with. Also supplemental training with Ann Bogart, Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh my gosh, so many great places. Also a distinguished career acting as well. Um, Prior to joining Joining Point Park, she taught in the acting programs at the University of Illinois and Bradley University and is now the director of musical theater and an associate professor at Point Park University, which is located in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, They take class sizes of about 26 musical theater and about 26 actors as well. They offer degrees in BFA musical theater, BFA acting, BFA theater arts, BFA production, and some other degrees in cinema arts, etc. Ziva, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. Thank you. I'm doing wonderfully. Um, before we dive too deep into Point Park, and we're going to spend most of our time chatting about the school, I'd just love to hear a little bit about um, your journey to Point Park and to the wonderful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so um, it sort of was a surprise to me, actually. <laughs> I uh, was an actor living in New York, um, had a career for about 15 years um, and decided that I was ready for more training, which is when I went back to uh, get my MFA, um, had no intention of, of teaching or, you know, we thought we were going to go to Chicago or back to New York. Um, and I found a great passion for it. Uh, I was uh, teaching some classes when I was a grad student and I thought it was what a great way to give back. And I sort of fell in love with it. And that's kind of how my journey um, led me forward to Point Park. And how long have you been here now as the head or director of, of musical theater at Point Park? I've been the director for less than I've been here. So I came here in 2005 and um, it's been about, I think, seven or eight years I've been mm-hmm. heading up the program. A nice chunk. A couple of different classes have gone through. You've gotten to yeah. really get your, your legs under you. So so then let's dive into it. Let's talk a little bit in your tenure as director and, and just as a professor at Point Park. What do you feel like it means to be a Point Park University student? I think watching the students is so... Um, it's such an honor, really. We have students that are ambitious and competitive, but with themselves and incredibly supportive of each other. Uh, they work incredibly hard. They have a great work ethic. They get out of school and work, um, mm-hmm. which you can see by some of those lists that we get to appear on. Um, but I also think uh, that they have a taste for excellence and a respect for the craft and really are in it for a lifelong journey as an artist. And um, they're pretty terrific. 
Oh, well, I don't disagree. We've had a lot of students attend um, with wonderful experiences. Um, let's talk a little bit about, so let's say you, I come in and I'm a freshman and I am that kind of perfect balance of competitiveness with myself, but I'm supportive with my peers and I'm all those things. What am I going to learn in those four years? So, so talk me through a little bit like freshman through senior year. What is the kind of educational track for a musical theater student especially? So the progression that we have is the first year is pretty much like diagnostic, getting everyone on the same page, uh, very foundational. And then year two and three is um, training and uh, getting ready to be great in the play. And then the fourth year is dedicated to becoming great in the audition space um, so that you have an opportunity to be great in the play. So that's pretty pretty much um, how it goes. It really is a triple threat program, which doesn't mean the students are triple threats. It means that's how we approach the training. So a third of the training is dance, a third of the training is in the voice area, um, which would include like music theory, sight singing, piano, things like that, uh, ensemble singing. Um, and a third is in acting, which they take dual classes. So they have acting classes with act the acting majors. Um, and with spoken text, and then they have acting through song, which is acting classes through musical text. You led right to my next question, which is sort of about which discipline of musical theater do you feel like you focus on? And I'll even throw out there, I do think the reputation of Point Park out there is a really strong dance school. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you kind of own and say, yeah, that's we really, that is something we lead with? Is it something you're trying to push almost back against and say, no, we're really leading with these all equally? Or I guess, how does your relationship with that label, if it's ever thrown at you, um, how does that feel? I, you know, I think I saw like in my time sort of the feedback from the industry people and it used to always be, oh yeah, Point Park dancers, uh, you know, in musical theater. And then we started hearing, oh yes, when a Point Park student comes in the room, I know that they're going to be able to tell a story. I know that they're going to be strong with the text. I know the acting will be strong. So I think we've seen where we want to go, which is to, that we want our students to graduate in the strongest place they can be in all areas at that point. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, they're going to grow and change over time. But one of the amazing, wonderful things is, is that we do have one of the best dance programs in the country. And our students take class in that program. So the instructors are the same that are teaching the dance majors. Um, and we have this wonderful um, dance minor that they can, you know, the, the folks that can really dance can audition for. And uh, if they're accepted, then they start dancing with the dance majors. So, mm -hmm. um, so we're really fortunate and we're really lucky that that is an area that's so strong. But I think we're equally strong in all three um, areas. Totally. And I've definitely seen more and more some of our students who were not dancers first, who've decided to attend Point Park and, and have had really successful experiences. How does it work differently? Let's say if I were to come in, maybe I am a capital D dancer versus maybe I'm a more beginner. I'm, I'm athletic, but I'm still new to the dance world. How does that work differently in terms of how my training might, might exist at Point Park? So the, the classes that are required for the major, let's say you're not doing the, the uh, minor, um, Everyone's taking ballet at 8 a.m., five days a week uh, their freshman year. Um, they have to take modern. They have to take jazz. They have to take tap. But the, the classes are leveled so that, that you know, they're working at their own um, level. Yeah. And when you say leveled, do you mean leveled within the year or leveled like would freshmen be taking with seniors, uh, you know, in terms no, of leveled uh, the freshmen take with the freshmen, but sometimes they will have upperclassmen who are taking it as supplemental, um, mm -hmm. but it's basically a skill level. That's how they're, mm -hmm. yeah. 
I love it. And then let's chat a little bit about kind of outside of the theater program. So outside of just what I'm doing in the musical theater or even maybe acting world, what else does Point Park University, which I'm used to calling it Point Park College because when I was a a kid, it was Point Park College. But what else does the university kind of afford to a prospective student? So I think, I mean, there are many things. And you being a Pittsburgher, you know, it's an amazing city to go to school Mm -hmm. in and we're downtown. Um, You know, we have... You say downtown. We're downtown. Um, We're downtown and there's uh, so much theater here. All the national tours come through um, at a theater that's walkable from school. We have a Lort theater that's walkable. I mean, there's so much. We have green space. You can rent Mm -hmm. bicycles. Um, It's, you know, it's a pretty um, amazing city and we're sort of in the heart of it. Um, And then with the school itself, some of the things that I think um, are lovely is there's a lot of student directed Areas we have two student-run companies that um, one is one is part of the program because we have in our theater arts there's a playwriting and a directing track, um, and so that is part of the uni- that's part of the program. And then there's one that's sort of supported by the university, but it's the same. It's all the mm-hmm. theater students, um, and so there and there are many like there are, there are many clubs that they can belong to. Um, for everything that is more of the arts to things that aren't in the arts at all. And I just think, you know, we have great, I mean, we have great medical, which is always, I think, probably better for the parents than for, you know. <laughs> you mean like the better. University of Pittsburgh medical system? Yes. Yeah. The and I mean, the world, true. Right. We have, we have a really good relationship with um, the UPM voice clinic. So mm-hmm. for vocal health, which, you know, it's one of the best in the country. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, things that the students are exposed to. Um, and what about the academic university in terms of like, what other classes would I be taking? So I'm definitely taking dance. I'm singing dance every day. Yeah. It sounds like freshman year. I'm yeah. singing, I'm acting. What else am I doing in terms of the sort of university experience? So I think it's important to note that it's a conservatory style. So there's 132 or 133 contact hours. And of those, about 100 are in the field. Mm-hmm. So when so you're talking, there's 42 core credits is what they call the gen eds here. Um, but some of those are theater history. One is the New York showcase. Um, and the others are themed. Like, so there might be math and science and history, but they're themed. And so under the theme, there'll be all kinds of um, academics that the students can choose from. By theme, do you mean it's like math for the actor? Like how to do your taxes as an actor or something? <laughs> um, that would be fantastic. Yeah, sure. that would be. And we do kind of cover that in one of our um, senior classes. But it's more like um, people of the world, you know, and then there'll be all kinds of um, academic things underneath mm-hmm. that. If I'm an acting major at musical theater, but maybe I'm a I'm an acting major at Point Park, I say, but maybe I'm musical theater curious. Mm-hmm. What opportunities do I have to kind of cross that boundary? And do I get to take any musical theater classes as an actor or dance and well, singing, et cetera? Some you have to. They take two uh, semesters of singing for the actor. Um, but we also have an empty minor that they can audition for. And that will have them taking dance classes, sight singing, music theory, piano, um, acting through songs. So there's certainly an opportunity. And when students audition for the conservatory season, the major does not have any influence over the casting. So we have uh, MTs that are cast in plays and acting majors that are cast in musicals. Now, especially as this episode is releasing, a lot of our seniors are really bringing in their results and they're going to have lots of fantastic yeah. options at different schools. Why do you find a student may not choose your school? So if you're if you're between, they're between a couple of schools and you the student actually goes, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else. If you get to hear that reason, why do you find that a student says, here's why Point Park wasn't the right fit for me? 
Um, I think sometimes students want a, a campus, a real campus um, with, you know, major sports teams and, you know, sort of that, that campus life. And I think there is campus life and we do have sports teams, but we are in a downtown vertical campus. Mm-hmm. And I think for some students, um, that's just kind of not what they're looking for. And that's at least what I hear the most is really, um, you know, if you, if you want some city life, it's going to be mm-hmm. the perfect campus for you. But if you don't, then it might be tough. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a lot about the audition process for Point Park. So back in flash. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back with Ziva Barzell from Point Park University. And we're going to talk a little bit about the audition process. So I'd love to just know, kind of in short, what do you think makes a great audition for you? That's so hard to pinpoint. And of course, we get asked that question a lot. But I think obviously talent. But there's something I think I look for anyway, is just someone that is eager to have training, you know, mm-hmm. not just um, do the, the school musical, you know, um, someone that's really interested in training, of uh, ready to maybe let some things go and build new skills, um, is passionate in the room. Uh, I had a mentor once tell me, you know, just imagine having them in class, which is often what I do. And mm-hmm. um and if they're excited and they're talented and they have passion or great potential, um, there's someone we'd love to work with. And how do I show that? So this, cause I feel like there's a lot of, um, advice that I, I, I give and I, then I'll hear my students say, but how do I do, how do I be myself? How do I, you know, it's like, how do I show if I'm interested in training other than if someone said, Hey, why are you interested in going to school? And you could say, I'm interested in training, but if I'm not given that, that kind of interview question opportunity, how do you feel like you see that through the work of a student to see that they are interested in? So I think that I do see that in the work of a student in the, the material that they pick. Um, and I think when I say the material that they pick, I, I don't care if I've heard it a million times or if it's new. But usually if a student loves what they're doing, that kind of shines through. So I think that's sort of the key is to pick material that they feel really connected to, that um, that that story is something that resonates well with them um, mm-hmm. so that they can be on board even with when nerves kick in um, and just say, you know, hi, when they come in the room. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I think, and I think it's good to have questions too. I mean, I'll often say like, why, what makes you interested in coming here? Mm-hmm. And um, you can tell when students have done a little research. And so on my end, I mean, of course I understand there are a lot of auditions happening, but I'm always like, yeah, so they really, you know, are interested in coming to this particular program. Totally. 
Totally. Um, and is there anything that you feel like you really don't want to see in a student's audition? Any kind of pet peeves or something that if you see this, you go, oh, it just puts me in a, a bad mood? Not, not really. I mean, I do think with monologues, it's really best if they stay away from monologue books. I have mm -hmm. a much better appreciation for monologues from plays. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes uh, students maybe work a little too hard trying to be like a character when in essence, we just want to hear them kind of talk. And, mm. um, but I, I don't I don't really I mean, I really enjoy meeting all these young folks, and they all have a different degree of preparation. And so, um, yeah, I don't think I really, there's nothing. And how does the, either of these answers change or any specific advice? Um, if we're talking about uh, either a video of a taped audition, maybe a pre screen audition, or a zoom audition in terms of a, a kind of any virtual experience? How does that shift any of what you're looking for in the audition experience? I don't think so. I mean, I think we just have to understand it's virtual, right? And so um, if we see they're having technical problems, we like want them to take a minute because I think the nerves start going. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, think, uh, I think when you have your belters, they have to just be a little bit careful with the sound because sometimes when they're really blasting those belts, it kind of, we can't really hear what the voice sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's nice when they look towards their camera so we can see their eyes. So those are like more technical things, but those are easy things for us to fix in, in the room, you know? Totally. Have you had a lot of students looking at the, uh, get away from the camera? Like yeah. doing backward monologues? Um, yeah, well, looking very, very much to the side. Oh. Yeah. Or above, way above so you can't see their eyes. Uh -huh. yeah. um, let me ask my favorite question, which is, um, if you're going to decide for the artistic yes or no in the room, mm -hmm. how much for you in terms of a percentage or in terms of however you want to talk about it, how much of it is about the kind of skill displayed in the initial material? So in the monologues and the songs that you might see or in the dance work that you'd see versus maybe the intangibles that you see of how they walk in the room and say hi or how they take an adjustment if you give one or how they answer an interview question when you talk to them. How much feels like it's in camp A versus camp B? Well, I think it's sort of a combination, but I think really uh, there's so much singing in our program that the the skill as a singer really is um, important. And especially for a pre-screen where we feel like they've had a chance to review it and go back, um, you know, pitch issues are something that would probably, no matter how lovely they are in the room, um, would probably change um how we might feel about that. So you see a pitchy singer and it might just be, oh, I'm not X just for you. I'm going, it's not going to be a yes for me from a musical theater perspective. If there's pitch issues. Uh, most likely. I mean, we'll always check to see what other skills they have. We'll watch the monologue or watch the dance. Mm -hmm. uh, or sometimes if there's, we're saying, well, I don't know, maybe there's potential here. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll screen them in and take a look, but, but the singing is um, really really important well and that leads to my next question which is you kind of mentioned your you look at all three disciplines from a training perspective are equally mm -hmm. D sounds like maybe not completely equally for musical theater in terms of admission is singing higher on the the radar in terms of that how that score might weigh more than rather than an even holistic score it, where how does dance yeah. and acting relate to that as well i think singing acting probably is the thing but i think you know again we sometimes see great actors who maybe uh really weak in the singing area. So we'll sort of see, do they have potential? Sometimes we'll vocalize them, you know, if their material is not um, helping us determine that. But I would say probably singing first, as mm -hmm. well as, you know, acting. Sometimes they can act while they're singing the song and then the monologue is a little rough and that's still, mm -hmm. you know, but we have to see some sign of acting. Um, 
and storytelling. And I would say dance is really not um, huge for us. Uh, obviously, it is exciting when we see a dancer, but because we have the ability to put them through the dance classes in a way that is um, going to challenge them, but be at their level, uh, it's it's doesn't weigh as heavily. Um, so I would say in a class of 26, we'll probably have about maybe seven really strong dancers hmm. and um, and then all other levels with the rest. And are you looking for almost that kind of balance consciously? Or are you trying to say like, I want to have some really amazing singing actors and, or it just happens that seven of them turn out to be great. It dancers? just, it, it just kind of happens that way. Hmm. Love it. Um, and then I know you, you mentioned of course that your conservatory. So the, the bigger part of admission certainly is going to be on the artistic. Yes. Mm-hmm. In terms of, let's say the student is an artistic. Yes. In your mind or mm-hmm. in the faculty's mind in general, how is, does it then work with the interaction of the academics and, what needs to go by the university in terms of grades and SATs and all those kinds of things? So I think uh, for better or for worse, the uh, requirement for GPA is a little lower at Point Park. Um, For better. We say for better. We're (laughs) actors here. For some for better, but what's great is that the students that are academically inclined, we have an honors program. Uh And, uh, and so I always say it's like the best of both worlds. If you're really academically inclined, you can do the honors program. You can take up a a minor. Um, But if you're not academically inclined, it is possible with, you know, a little research with upperclassmen to kind of just pick the classes that will will give you something, but maybe will not be as challenging academically. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) And what does that mean in terms of, I know for a lot of schools where, because a lot of our students tend to be overachieving mm-hmm. academic students, you know, they tend to have those high B GPAs. Um, right. What does that mean in terms of like scholarship opportunities? Are there academic scholarships for There, there are on? academic scholarships. And I would say most of the uh, musical theater students uh, have excellent GPAs, mm-hmm. um, but just some just aren't interested in pursuing that in a strong way. Um, but I would say, you know, I do find that most of the students that we take in have a high uh, GPA. And I'll sometimes take a look, you know, because I think, I don't think it's the only answer, but it might lead to what a work ethic might be. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but. Yeah. Well, I do think it, that is one of the reasons our musical theater kids tend to have such high GPAs is you need to have a high work ethic if you are acting yeah. and singing and dancing. It's like they tend to be very organized, very structured, very good at, you know, yeah. man- managing the car- course load of high school, which was daunting for me, I'll say, in high school. I couldn't manage all the organization. Well, I feel sort of the same way. So maybe I feel a little, you know, a little like this. When... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And then just lastly, with the audition process, I just, you know, I'll throw the general question of, you know, whether it's from auditions you just saw, as I guess we're probably wrapping our tour pretty soon, um, or, you know, just as you think about students about to enter auditions, um, if we have any more coming up, is there any sort of advice before you specifically walk into a Point Park audition that you'd want to say, hey, just do this? Well, I think, first of all, just know that we want you to do well. We're on your side. We want you to be comfortable. We hope we're creating a, a positive environment so you can do your best work and um, and have fun. And maybe don't worry about the result. Just enjoy the moment that you're in. Great advice all around. I'd love to talk about the the challenges of the last, let's say, two years now. We're almost mm-hmm. almost at two years with this virus. Um and just how Point Park has sort of adapted to meet the moment, both in terms of conversations about, you know, sort of the demands for racial equity that have come up a lot uh, now two summers ago, um, but also then just the challenges of a virtual world, living and teaching and, and trying to work in a virtual world. So take that wherever you want to go with uh, that question. Yeah, sure. 
So I think uh, COVID, I'm not sure we even know what the results are on actor training with uh, all, all that we've had to do virtually for all our musical theater classes last year. Everything had to be done online or you know, virtually. Um, but I think just like our students, the faculty is really ambitious too. And we were just determined to make sure our students were meeting their training goals. Uh, we're back on ground. It seems like we have met those. Um, I think that's just sort of like the way of folks in our, in our field, right? It's just like something comes up and you're like, well, let's figure out how to, you know, how to deal with it. And so I think we did. And uh, we're still singing with masks on and, um, our students are amazingly adaptable um, because we just do the work and the work has been really good. Um, but it will be interesting to see what, what the fallout process is. And I will say one thing is that they're very quiet in the room, which is interesting that, you know, we're sort of teaching them uh, on camera, uh, which is not necessarily stage worthy. So it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself. Um, but I think we've done a pretty good job. We've had really good retention. Um, yeah, yeah, I just want to burrow in on what you just said. They get quiet in the room. Do you mean that as almost a negative, as in they're not um, as boisterous or not? They're not, or do you mean they, quiet? They, as just, in a they just don't know how to fill a space with their voice. They're just speaking uh-huh. at a, you know, like not a theatrical level. Uh-huh. They're they're speaking. they're not projecting. You're, they're, you're not yeah, getting right. them to, they're, just, yeah. they're just not on their voice, and of course that leads into like, well, there's not they're not breathing, you know, and supporting. So I mean, that's just like something I've started noticing. Um, it's, I'm noticed that the laziness of this microphone, because I can just lean in and basically whisper, and it sounds good. <laughs> not so good. Like that's not the same stuff we learned in right. theater school. I know. Right. And when they were standing in their their bedrooms for a year, you know, doing mm-hmm. um, theater, it's just you know we were probably and you know we're so hyper focused on seeing them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been an interesting transition, but we're, you know, we're managing. I mean, we're, we've been able to get shows up this year. We have a lot of testing going on mm-hmm. and uh, knock on wood. I mean, we've, you know, we've been able, like there hasn't been too much uh, COVID. Everyone is, is vaccinated. Um, I think the other conversations are uh, highly important. Um, I think we've always been committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, but I think the last couple of years, maybe we had to reflect more and say, you know, maybe there's way more to do and to reevaluate. I think, um, I think it's wonderful because I feel like we're meeting those conversations as a faculty and um, student body together. And uh, the university has stepped up their support. Um, So uh, obviously probably like everywhere we're we're taking workshops and, and trying to really understand more how to uh, bring those things into the program and into into uh, the classroom, um, and uh, I, for instance, certain initiatives. You know, because it's one thing to take these workshops and have more knowledge, but if you don't do anything, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's helpful. Um, but like we have something called Junior Lab, where all the juniors do a show together, and so you know we're dedicating it to uh, young BIPOC. Uh, writers uh, of musicals, which, you know, um, musical theater is is very uh, white men, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, as far as writers. Um, And and that's exciting. We're working with a very exciting um, artist, Dante Green, and we're doing one of his his shows. Um, 
we're just making sure that we include um, material in the training that is from all areas, you know, culturally and um, ethnically and, you know, just uh, that we're inclusive in the material that we're we're choosing. Um, We've always sort of partnered with our students in what material they're going to use in class, but they're now sitting in on choosing the season. Um, So we're really bringing in the student voices more. We've had, you know, we're, we've started doing like community agreements and um, uh, just really trying to just bring that into the classroom to decolonize our, our syllabi. Um, and to really just, I mean, I think for our students always is to think about storytelling that there are many stories that can be told many different ways. Mm-hmm. And there are stories that we haven't even told yet, which we need to start telling. And uh, we have some students that will start writing, which is really exciting. Um, but I think that is something we can do uh, in the classroom for our young students who are incredible um, and may not have seen themselves reflected very often. Um, in musicals is that we just re re we imagine a lot of things and um, and really make sure that they feel uh, empowered and that they're enough. And you mentioned the the university stepped up with mm-hmm. a lot of support. What does that look like from a kind of university supporting that mission perspective? Yeah, so I mean they've hired a um, an equity diversity inclusion uh, director. Um, They've provided, like, they brought in Karen Olivo or KO, um, and they spoke. They did workshops with us for a week. Um, so they're they're provide their school is providing a lot of um, mm-hmm. informational things. Uh, they actually helped us um, support this initiative for Junior Lab with some financial support. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, financial support. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are new committees and there's new people in charge of things and um, and there's support for the students. Do you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. you know, additional support for, I mean, mental health and, um, you know, just, just, I guess, more support systems. Yes, yeah, totally. That makes yeah. sense. Um, and then I'd love to talk a little bit, we, jumping back to virtual a little bit, about um, your audition tour this year. And then if you have a sense, I know we're not quoting you to anything on February 14th of 2022 of what 2023 is going to be, but do you have a sense of what virtual is going to exist for like in the future? Well, I don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, we thought we were going back to on ground this year for auditions, um, but we held a virtual date because I think we might be able to reach some folks that can't af- maybe afford or get to auditions uh, because travel is, is, you know, not available to everyone. And we thought that would be great. And, uh, and now, of course, we, we made it through one on ground um, and then we switched to virtual. Mm-hmm. But, but I think we will probably always keep maybe a virtual aspect to it so that we can um, maybe see some students we wouldn't otherwise see. I love it. Um, any final thoughts? Any thoughts that we didn't get to get in about you go, oh, I always want to say this about Point Park. I didn't get to brag about this special thing about our program. Anything we didn't get in from there? Well, I'm sure there are, and I'll think of them as soon as we hang up. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
after we hang up, if people want to hear more from you, we know <laughs> they can follow PPU Musical Theater on Instagram. Yes. We're spelling that with theater, R-E, but I'll bet you'll find it if you search it either way. Um, are there other places that we should be going in terms of checking um, Point Park out or checking you out if we want to follow and ask more questions? Yeah, sure. I mean, we have our own recruitment office that you can contact. Uh, you certainly can email me uh, at zbarzell at pointpark.edu. Um we have uh, a website, and I believe on the website you can find the uh, showcase from last year. And, cool, yeah. uh, and then our showcase is going to be virtual again this year. So uh, at the end of April, you'll be able to do that. Um, and I think Instagram is nice, too, because, you know, well, or even like the the. I think there's a Facebook page too, like a life, and you can see a, like a life in a Poi Park student. Mm -hmm. um, but our students are really open to talking about the program and sharing. And although I'm happy to talk about the program, I think the student perspective is super important. And our students are really generous with their time and you can reach out to them and I'm sure they would be happy to, to talk. Uh, well, Ziva, it was such a pleasure getting to chat with you. Thanks so much for the time. Oh, I appreciate it. It was really nice to meet you. And um, thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ziva. Uh, I found her to be so grounded and warm and open and really fun to chat with. Um, I just want to do a little deeper dive on something we didn't actually get really much into on the episode at all, but just this very concept of like triple threat training for musical theater. And um, we talked about it a bit um, with Courtney Young. We talked about like a triple awe conversation as opposed to triple threat. Um, and we kind of hit on it a bit with Robert Westenberg of Missouri State as well. Um, but especially as this year transitions for a lot of our seniors into the receiving results and narrowing down their options portion of things, um, I just want to present this conversation about different approaches in terms of do we lean into our strengths or lean into our weaknesses for musical theater performers, and specifically strengths of like those three triple awe, triple threat um, categories. In general, for our younger students, we're going to always encourage you to lean into your weaknesses with your training, meaning bolster your abilities in all three areas as much as possible. Especially as teenagers and as younger teenagers, we have seen remarkable growth in all three areas for students who are willing to put the time and the effort into it, especially if they have enough time to make that happen. Um, and even if you aren't gonna have this remarkable turnaround and turn those two left feet into Fred Astaire, you can significantly increase your confidence and your ability as a whole auditioner by putting effort into all of those areas so you feel good about all three of the things you're walking into the room with. Now, of course, just to give the caveat, with younger performers, it's really totally up to you still in terms of what path you might wanna forge. And for performers on the cusp of like musical theater or acting or musical theater or vocal performance, that opposite approach of leaning into your strengths might be right if you're thinking you might even want to totally drop one of the legs of those stools and just do singing or just do acting, et cetera. But in general, this is the advice we would give to musical theater performers to lean into the, the weaknesses. When it comes to actually choosing a college and thinking about the performer who will graduate in their 20s and start a career in the business, I do think it is more of an open question, and I see both sides of the debate. So I kind of want to present both sides of the debate to you now. I think it gets really individual from performer to performer to evaluate what they think they want from life. I will say if the goal is only to work in the musical theater, or for those who the goal is Broadway, 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 which I'll say in general, Broadway is not the only place to work in the musical theater. But if that is the goal, there is definitely a path of, I am an incredible dancer, and I can get by as a singer and actor, and that can absolutely work. So if that is already your strength, going to a school that supports and bolsters that strength could make a lot of sense. 
To make a sports analogy, I have to do it. In the sports world, the equivalent of this would be making yourself into a specialist or sometimes we'll call them role players, right? If you're really good at shooting and defense, but maybe not good at like dribbling or other things you have to do on a basketball court, you are extremely marketable in the NBA for being able to do those two things and kind of knowing your role. So you're going to work a lot. You're going to get to have a long career, though you're going to have the kind of capped upside of what your career could potentially be in that you're not going to be a superstar. If that's all you can do, you'll never get to be a superstar and get to be Steph Curry or LeBron James or whatever. I always make NBA analogies. I can make up. I'll branch out and make more sports analogies. Just it's my favorite sport. Come on, Charlie. It was just the Super Bowl. Come on. I know it was just the Super Bowl. But by the time they're listening, the Super Bowl's long gone and we're <laughs> done with it. But conversely, if you look at your college education and where you're leaning into your weaknesses potentially has advantage for that upside. So being really strong in all three or two out of the three disciplines but that does have the potential downside of maybe muddying your marketability if, let's say, you're a 7 out of 10 in all three, but a 9 in none, especially for those students who might have walked in as an 8.5 in one of them, but then are lessening their training in favor of the other two disciplines and actually letting it, it, it slack a little bit as opposed to sort of keeping it up. I do think the most important aspect of this always is what you want for your career. So do you want to only be an actor or only be a dancer? Would that make you happy? If not, then you know the question's a little bit moot. But if you are thinking strategically, I do think it's worth considering all aspects of this question and what you think you want for your life. I've had schoolmates at Carnegie Mellon, which is known to be kind of an acting-based musical theater school, who were capital D dancers and went there because they wanted to work on their acting and storytelling skills, right? And they've worked successfully as dancers still and also as actors and singers. I've also seen the opposite where very good singers and dancers went to a non-musical theater acting school to really beef up that skill set, thinking that was the strongest part of their skill set and knowing they would have to continue keeping up their dancing and singing skills on a supplemental basis. But they were focusing on their strength first in terms of what they wanted to ultimately do. Maybe they wanted to work a lot in TV and film. Maybe they wanted to do plays and musicals, but musicals wasn't going to be the whole of their career. If you're not reading a ton of advice in all of that, that's right. I'm not telling you what to do with, with this debate. I think there are so many unknowns to what you will grow into being and graduating as four years later. But I do think as you're considering your final decision schools, it's always an important conversation to see both sides of from that strength and weaknesses perspective. So you can kind of play it out in your head in all the scenarios. Of course, college is only four years of your training and you will continue to grow as an artist and a person. But I do think it's worth noting sometimes that sweatshirt carries a bit of an outsized influence in our lives and how we choose to wear that moving forward into our careers. It's also worth noting, not every school will there be an obvious and easy, this is an acting-based musical theater school. This is an incredibly strong dance school. You're not always going to have that incredibly easy dialectic to work in. Sometimes it's kind of a murkier, we're leaning a little more toward these two. And for me as a performer, I'm a little stronger in these two. So it won't always be so easy that you'll be able to make this decision. This is more for when you really do have that black and white decision of this school really strong in this, this school really strong in this. Well, if you found this episode really strong and you want to hear some more of them, why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button? You don't have to be an amazing actor or dancer to hit that subscribe button. Just bump, hit it with your finger. It's easy. Um, we'd also love it if you were to rate and review us. You do need to be a pretty good writer to rate and review us. I want some poetic reviews whenever possible. You can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingthecollegeedition.com or reach out to me and Megan directly and grace us with a follow at charmer7 and at meganmarie2014. 
If you want to work with MTCA for help with your individual prep for your college edition journey, please check us out at mtca.nyc. You can also follow us at, at Musical Theater College Editions at TweetMTCA on Twitter. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, whatever happens, don't let this pandemic make you quiet. Katy Perry and I just want to hear you roar. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.